Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 166, navigating the current market and our current Q3 portfolio performance. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, Dividend Talk is the place to be for insights, analysis, and unsalted advice on how to make the most of your money through dividends with our own unique European flavor. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and join our community on Facebook at Dividend Talk. See you on the inside. We're back, European DJ. We had a week off, but we are now back. A week off, a week off. You, you, you just took a week off. Come on, what was happening there over on the on the uh, island there? Yeah, we, we we know I was meant to record. Well, we were meant to record early, and on the Wednesday night we had some storm, some like it was more like a little mini hurricane here, and all the power in my whole area went, so we couldn't couldn't record the next morning i was gone on a plane to sunny spain so it took away our chance to to record but hey at least i was in the sunshine that's that's all i can say i missed i missed a, a ton of bad weather over here it was horrendous by all accounts well you brought some uh, quite some storms back into the stock market as well on your return so uh it's it's will be a really nice topic for today i would say yeah yeah the, the... <laughs> the market seems to be taking a little bit of a turn but hey look let's let's maybe talk about some of the news of the week because we got a lot of questions uh particularly last week when we announced that we were doing this podcast early and n group had just released some news it had hit their stock price pretty bad and we've got maybe what one two three four seven questions from from seven different people about them um being someone from the native netherlands tell us what happened with the nn group yeah so this goes back all the way to the early 2000s yeah th that's important to know so i believe in 2006 or 2008 um ing as an example uh, a company that nn group was part of um yeah they got effectively into trouble for um how you said selling i think the english word is usury uh unit linked uh policies and specifically around life insurance or, or something like that so what effectively happened uh, and this was i think going on from 1995 or 6 all the way till i don't know 2003 or 2006 so a decade long what they effectively effectively were doing is they were just putting so much costs on the customer so your first so let's assume you took a mortgage on your house right in the netherlands when i had such a mortgage you wouldn't pay off your mortgage you wouldn't have any monthly pay payments what you would do you would put the money that you're paying monthly in an investment account let's say from uh, an n group and then an n group um you know will invest it in you for in, in some mutual funds and then the idea is that if your uh mortgage rate is uh mortgage term is 30 years that after 30 years 
you can pay off with with those investments the money that you owe to the bank yeah so you're building up uh, capital effectively in an investment fund why they are doing that uh, really simple at least at that time i don't know if it still applies uh, you could deduct the market rate rate from your tax yes yeah, so it's good to keep a lot of mortgage let's say in the uh, on, on your balance sheet let's say as a person uh, because you had a lot to deduct then and, and that's why you could leave relatively live relatively cheap and i think this is also why so many dutch people have so much debt in the housing market and if foreigners look at it they think like this whole country is literally underwater yeah so but what what nn group and such companies were doing for instance your first year contribution of money let's say you invested ten thousand euro the first so you contribute let's say thousand euro each month so twelve thousand in the first year approximately probably three thousand euro was just going into startup costs so there was only nine thousand euro working for you yeah uh, uh, after one year from all the money you put in but that was like that then there were continuous maintenance costs that were um sometimes far above three and a half percent uh yeah. here while your return was maybe seven or eight percent so you were already losing almost half of your return as well on 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 on, on this now, i'm giving here example of a mortgage back uh, uh, uh sorry um uh investment policy but you had it with life insurance uh mainly here and this was a big scandal that got i think hit, that hit the media around the great financial crisis if i remember correctly and then there was a um, uh, i said there was a group of 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 let's say considerate victims or people that wanted to claim they went to court saying we want that money back now there was already some compensation i think half a decade ago five six years ago I mean, it, it, it's been running now for almost 20 years, right? So yeah. I, I don't know exactly anymore the timing, but I signed up for that, for that petition. And I remember getting some money back. And I think I got money back on the transition transaction costs that they charged me too much on that account. I remember something like that. So um, this is effectively what this is all about. It went to the Supreme Court not too long ago. So and that the Supreme Court effectively, um, or the outcome of that was effectively that an N group shouldn't pay. But now it went back, and it even I think went to the Court of Justice of Europe. But now it went back to uh, to the Dutch court, and they looked at the interpretation and, it, and, and the information, and say like, well, no. On many of the many of the how um, uh, is it claims, and then group is liable, and and they should pay something now. And then group uh, is going to appeal. They go to Supreme Court with this. They say that the judge hasn't uh, uh, made the right conclusions based on how the Supreme Court gave it back, because how the system works in the court system is like the um, the lower court they can ask the supreme court for um i said for kind of an opinion or something like that on yeah. okay how should we make this interpretation of this law in this case and then yeah. they 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 do these statements and you go back and you move on as a judge um so that's that's the case here and of course it spooked everyone because people are then afraid like wait a second they have so many customers if uh, if they all need to pay this 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 might lead to i don't know bankruptcy or something like that um i don't think that will happen yeah i think the dividend is probably safe enough 
uh, here with the knowledge that I have today and the calculations I made, uh, maybe as a as a sneak heads up, let's say sneak preview heads up. Um, it's the main topic of the article of our newsletter this Sunday. So yeah. NN Group has a 40-page article, and I I've gone into the court ruling. I read the entire verdict. I analyzed everything, uh, took some assumptions based on, on past uh, of such cases, and I entirely did the analysis of what the impact of this court ruling is and what, what dividend growth investors should consider here. Um, but I'm not afraid. Yeah, yeah, there is, of course, a risk. The risk was much higher than before this verdict, but personally, I'm not afraid. Yeah. And what about uh, companies like ASR? Are they embroiled in any, anything like this? Yeah, so what what happens with such a court case is sets a precedence. So ASR is also therefore um, uh, subject to this uh, uh, based on the court ruling. So yeah, uh, ASR is also potential impact. I didn't really go deep into ASR compared to NN Group. Um, but we say we have a saying in the Netherlands, and it's something like uh, you don't eat the soup as hot as it's being served. Yeah, and and that's kind of how I think about this situation uh, here. Um, I do expect that the companies, depending on the timing of of a word uh, of fines or a potential settlement, might need to stop the buyback program. Um, I honestly think and predict that it will end up in a settlement for, for the simple reason an end group can delay so much here by another few years of um, uh, proce uh, procedures in the courts that I think these lawyers that are already 10 or 20 years on this case, they probably want to do something else with their life as well. Yeah. So I believe they will probably go for some big money, cash in, and then uh, so I think there's a high potential here for settlement. Time will tell. It certainly shook the market. Well, the the two companies, ASR and particularly NN, last week. I'm not sure if they've bounced back since. It seemed like a huge, huge reaction. They found the floor. They yeah. found the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So let's 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 see. I have to say, I've read your article. It's it's quite in depth. It covers a lot of these topics as well. So I would recommend reading it. But yeah, it's 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 interesting, isn't it, to see where this goes. And and like you, I think NN Group can drag this out if they want. Um, it's probably in all their favor now just to settle it up, get rid of it, and move on at this stage. But yeah, let's see. Hey, you're playing both sides of the coin, so <laughs> you can't. Yeah, do yeah. It. So I, I might actually get some money from this. Uh, so yeah, maybe it's even more than uh, my position in an N group. Who <laughs> you knows? Can, you can reinvest <laughs> it in an N group then. Yeah, but I had a small mortgage at that time. So, but still. Cool. Um, let's move on to Walmart. They've had another dip in the market and it's all around weight loss drugs. And we, we spoke about this before with um, Novo Nordisk and... Yeah, we were joking about uh, it. Yeah, how, how these weight loss drugs are going to affect everything and consumers are not going to buy much. And guess what? <laughs> it's it's exactly what, what's happening. There's, there's fears that these weight loss drugs are causing people not to buy as much and of course this is seen as a red flag for walmart and their share price has dropped 
Yeah, not only that, it was PepsiCo, it was Coca-Cola, um, I believe even Clorox, because the whole consumer staples uh, sector went down. What people need to know is like nobody, I believe, is is, is drinking Clorox products, right? Um, but <laughs> I would also advise not to do that. But what people need to know is in such situations, um, many investors own such positions also via ETFs. So if it, what what also happens here is often index selling. So that's why you see also often other consumer staples being dragged down uh, in these regards. But yeah, for me, this is so funny. But for me, this is also a typical example of an overreaction. Do you really think that people will not drink Coca-Cola anymore because of weight loss drugs? I mean, you can you can drink Coca-Cola Zero. Yeah, yeah. Well, do, do you think they're going to stop eating food? <laughs> I mean, how much? How much? Uh, well, food, if you uh, look at the share price, you will believe that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a total uh, uh, Armageddon coming up. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, but the the whole market has been has been pretty rigged this week, and it's look, it's 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 been good. It's all part of our. A story navigating this market and it's be interesting we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well yeah definitely but for me i mean novo nordisk the most valuable company in europe because of a a, a drug that allows people to well reduce their <laughs> lose their fat effectively <laughs> i mean it's 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 the irony of of our times right nice. that the most valuable company is the one that lets people uh, uh lose millions of kilos and and uh, let's say the the most valuable company before was probably the one that created the most kilos like nestle or something like that in europe yeah yeah hey, swings and roundabouts isn't it we, we go one way or, or the other <laughs> um yeah let's move on we have phillips um there's a news item here and i must admit i cannot read it because it's in dutch <laughs> so ah, no no that, that, that's okay so you know i owned some phillips for some time i sold it already quite quickly i learned that i i bought a cat in the back because um philips just continues to struggle with these respir uh, respiratory devices and in this case the fda is not satisfied enough with what uh, they have done so far and they believe that uh, philips will need to test much more and analyze much more um uh, to properly assess the risks regarding the recall of their devices um before they can totally um agree on philip's uh, stance here so it's again a setback again cost uh, will be involved price dropped again i mean management please you know why, why why can't they just make a clean ship at 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 once straight away be the best boy in class there i mean fda is not a party to fool around with yeah and and you're already a european company you're already zero as i said two zero behind yeah if this would be an american company i'm sure it would have been a little bit easier yeah but here they don't have any association with phillips they don't need phillips no no not at all yeah look it's 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 one of those ones that you flagged really early it, it looked cheap um but it's probably one of those ones that was a falling knife wasn't it it was it was too cheap they were just embroiled in a lot of litigation didn't look like they knew how to handle that litigation and yeah it still seems like they're a little bit clueless to be honest though exactly exactly stay, stay away from them um and then the last bit of news of the week is exxon mobile are talking about buying shale drilling company pioneer for about 60 billion dollars what do you make of that yeah. 
Well, ExxonMobil is still a big position in my portfolio. Somewhere in the top 10, and I like it. I mean, Exxon has a really good balance sheet. Um, I was considering selling in the past uh, ExxonMobil because I didn't see them growing anything. I didn't see them responding to market dynamics. I didn't see them uh, trying, um, I said, clean energy or something like that. But I mean, if you if you think about, they are just buying cash flow here. They are buying a few really high uh, cash flow, uh, uh, yeah, cash flowing assets here. I mean, the deal is not done yet, right? These are, I, I guess, still rumors to some extent. But I, yeah, not not knowing them too well, Pioneer Natural Resources, but management has a good track record when it comes to acquisitions and 60 billion is not pocket change that's a significant amount but they can relatively easy carry it uh, with their balance sheet so yeah it's a, it's an interesting one it gives them it gives them more access to that permian basin as well which is uh, i believe is a premium in in that world so it looks like it and, like and more important some dividend growth again yeah of course and i was i was going to touch on it but you did before me it was maybe this time last year you were thinking of selling them and something held you back um and it turned out to be a, a good move at the time yeah you know i like i don't i love management that they are so so strict on their balance sheet and 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 are protecting the dividend that's what i really like about ExxonMobil. what i don't like is that they are not moving at all with how the world is they're just I, I don't know they're just not acting on everything that's happening and that's why I like the European oil majors a little bit more but also Chevron Chevron has been heavily investing over the last years and yeah it's been just dead quiet with Exxon quiet is not always bad <laughs> it's not always no bad. no maybe it's a lesson for me that that's actually I, something I should appreciate more yeah Okay, then moving on from that, then it's probably a good time to talk about what is actually happening in this current market. I think all week we've seen on Twitter, I think Dividend Wave is posting every week. There's a different sector that's completely red on Finviz. Um, and lots of people don't know what to do. It's kind of panicky. Um, what's your take? What's what's going on in the market? Uh, you know, I, I don't know, of course, entirely what's going on, but my sense of this is that uh, it all started a little bit when the Fed said, like, higher interests for longer, higher interest rates for longer. And when I hear this, I think, like, am I surrounded here with a bunch of idiots in the stock market? I mean, it was already uh, lower interest for longer, then it was transitory was transitory inflation yep and they yep. got caught by surprise that it's there to stay remember it was also there to stay then the interest rates yeah no they you know they might they go quick up but you know they might fall down quickly as well yeah and now it's higher for long but you know that this is not uh this is not like a shark teeth uh inflation situation that we're in so i don't understand why people build all their models like the wall street analyst on that this was just short term i think the it was a desire for it to be short term i think but i i, I that's not how quick governmental and, and 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 central bank policies work yeah if now if now shit hits the fan they can put the put the 
the how you said the interest rate on zero in no time but that's not happening the underlying e economy is doing relatively so so i would say but there's not a shock in the market at the moment yeah 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 i think i i think it's waiting for that big shock but what what i got from this week is yes they're talking about the the treasury rates the 10-year treasury rates at at an all-time high i think they're higher than they were in 2007 before that financial crash um they're talking about high high oil prices the strong dollar the dollar just seems to be getting stronger and stronger so the consensus is that this soft landing that we've been hearing about is no longer a high probability it's probably going to be a full-blown recession there's probably going to be blood on the streets and people are going to lose a lot of money so there's a lot of panic around that um i i'm like you i'm i'm flabbergasted why people are surprised at this i mean let's look let's be honest the us they don't really have a good track record of being open and honest and telling you okay this is what's going to happen over the next five or six yeah. years they pretend to be surprised every time this kind of event happens but uh, I, yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder if they use that to to let the smart money go short first yes yeah, to I, enrich I, themselves and then 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 start changing the message yeah i mean we we, we talked about that on the show there was uh, was it michael burberry is it i, I can't yeah. remember the guy and he was 1.6 billion short on the market i mean these guys don't put that type of money in yeah. without without a reason um, yeah but he he predicted 15 of the last two recessions yeah michael burberry <laughs> he, he, he does but he has a lot of money to predict them as well so it's it's for me it's it's a strange one and why people are shocked but look when, yeah. when when we have this scenario it creates obviously panic in the market there's lots of red and people say buy the dip but how do you navigate this what what are your thoughts are you, are you well, shifting? before we go there there is a there's still like a parallel that i want to uh share i still vividly remember 2007 and 2008 and i remember that in in, in that time before the summer i think that there, there was some trouble but then the market went a little bit sideways and then it started to like also in the fall started to do a bit more difficult and i believe that was in the fall of 2008 and then suddenly one of the big banks was a bernstein's or something like that uh, fell down and that's when after that really uh, i think the first bank was still okay but then the second bank maybe uh, uh, was where it came but it all started in the fall and i'm not saying that there's now a, a, such a big company there to collapse and that we, we do the same uh, happen the same but it kind of so far as how the year evolved it feels a lot the same yeah and we do know that there are a lot of zombie companies yeah so that needs to be just one big company that has been cooking the books or something like that which was already high in depth that can create uh, an issue to the market but i don't see any system risks for instance with the banks it was really they were they had inflated everything with these market-backed securities it, it was just not worth anything and it was really systematic risk risk if i if i read everything what's being said about the bank they should be so much more capitalized and i know this from insurance companies and looking at the solvency ratios they can really uh, absorb a, sh a shock right so i don't see that now but but the question is like if something really happens where's the blast zone so in 2008 it was the um, banks in 2020 it was anything that required food traffic 
yeah and you don't want to be in the blast zone so if something happens my advice is really stay out stay away from the blast zone that that's my rule so i was not buying anything that requires food traffic or in-person uh, uh business model uh during COVID. yeah 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 it's, it's look it's hard to know what the blast zone will be at this moment if you were to guess where would you say I, I I really really don't know. I mean, I do think there's a lot of bad debt in general. If many companies that have been doing massively buybacks, uh, the real estate investment trust sector has a lot of debt as well. Might might struggle with refinancing um, there, but I think they have been punished already more than enough for that with the current uh, uh, downturn that we have seen in that sector. Other than that, I can't predict it. It's, if, if something happens, it will be like Nassim Taleb always says, a black swan. Yeah. You, 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 you will say afterwards, yeah, we could have all seen it. But up front, it's really, really hard to say. And like I always say, I, don't, I, don't, I can't time the markets. Uh, I know a thing or two of economy, economy and uh, how you said. Uh, macro but i also know that it doesn't really matter it matters maybe to the stock market but i always believe it's a market of stocks yeah so from that point of view i did I, and we had all show about that not too long ago that i don't really look too much at it and i actually just enjoy what we are having now yeah i mean i i honestly don't look at my portfolio we i think we have a question later on about um starting investing and always in the red and, and what do you do but but honestly i don't i don't look at it i can see the stock market is down so i presume my portfolio is going to be down at that point but also that gives me opportunities if i have the cash to buy some companies that i may be holding off on maybe like your your texas instruments are in that group your hershey's um and stuff like that so um, yeah I, I i try not pay too much attention to to the, the broader market i am expecting some sort of big bang like you said there, there will be a trigger i don't know what the trigger will be we had banks collapsing at the start of the year we had with lots of stuff happened this year but we're still waiting for that black swan event that would yeah. really send everyone over because i think we mentioned at the start here yes there was a bit of there was a bit of noise but i still haven't seen that real panic in the market no yet. no no and and maybe to put things in perspective the s p 500 year to date is up by 13 percent yeah so yeah and if i think if we go to a year it's up by 18 percent and last december was not a nice time for tech stocks remember december tech stocks slaughtered then it went to a, a high um in in early february and then in march we had we were experiencing also something like this what was then the issue financial stocks got slaughtered because yes. of this uh, silicon valley bank that uh, collapsed then uh, the only way was up since then and now um, we have been since let's say the start of september going down almost in a straight line but if, if you think about that we're talking about five percent down or something like that but the, but over the last six months we're even still five percent up so you know it looks so bad everywhere but the stock market year to date is just just making like a double digit growth yeah it, it's it's as you said it's it's up year over year it's up year to date it's up it's up in, in all ways but as i said the panic is just 
not there yet and i'm waiting yeah. i'm actually waiting until i'm starting to read everywhere on seeking alpha and, and everything sell, yeah. sell 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 and then i know we have it this is this yes. this is where we're at this is the bottom and we can start buying buying the heat loads but but honestly when, when you you talk about it that like that what five percent down it's just like a, a normal dip in the market at the moment yes or in the stock we experience this more often in the stock after earnings report or something right hey intel so, intel does a customer yeah percent so exactly exactly so for me th this is just a golden time because I do see that dividend stocks have been hit hard generally if you look at the, our portfolios they went much more down than the average market and I think this has to do with a rotation in the stock market where um, or out of the stock stock market potentially even because you know many people and we get this question so often also on the social media like ah, if you can get a 4.5% treasury why would you take a 4% dividend stock yeah, my answer is because the treasury yield doesn't grow yeah once you own it my dividend stock over the next 30 year does yeah, yeah. and I, I i'm i don't want to invest in bonds for such reason i can imagine when you're a bit older that this is a nice time for your mix to have a safety in your uh, uh, portfolio if you say 70 percent stocks 30 percent bonds then this is an awesome time probably from for that point of view but but for me no this is not perfect time to buy those dividend stocks that actually were always a little bit out of reach uh, uh so far from a yield attractiveness uh point of view yeah. yeah yeah balance sheets are key i think balance sheets are key yes and for that we have done quite some homework over the last two years to make sure that we uh avoid a little bit those uh yeah shitty companies yeah. but but honestly I mean, I cannot spend more money in general each month than I have, than I can save. Yeah. So in that in, in that sense, it's just dollar cost averaging for me. I wouldn't know what to do else. How about yeah. you? Yeah, and, and and the same, just every month, same time every month, that money goes automatically into my broker. And I either if I buy something that week or the next week, but it, it's there, it's not in my account, and I'm I'm not going to change. And I very rarely, as I said, I very rarely look at the value amount in my portfolio because yeah. it's pointless. It doesn't it doesn't mean. And if I was to focus on that, I would, you know, you start to panic. Oh, I'm yeah. down ten grand, I'm down twenty grand. It, it's natural your brain starts to think that. So when I log in, it's actually hidden. I don't even yeah. I don't even look at it. It's 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 irrelevant. Yeah, no, that's that's not relevant. Um so so what I am doing now is taking this opportunity specifically in October, because September I wasn't really focused on the jet, but to look at higher quality stocks. Yeah, to really beef up a little bit those positions that I have in my tier one or tier two. Um, and that might also be meaning uh, entering a new position or something like that. Uh, there are stocks even i was looking at coca-cola this week week now it trades around 52 53 dollars three and a half percent dividend yield um i believe we will do a stock card for that in the in the upcoming newsletter right yeah. so yeah so i'm really interested what comes out of it from a dividend safety point of view and uh, and and, uh, and such because maybe coca-cola might be for once uh, something to to start you know flirting with a bit let's say <laughs> well i think that's actually a good time to move into our portfolio review because one of the companies that i bought this week was coca-cola i bought another uh, not another I, I sold them a long time ago if you remember I, mm -hmm. I, I felt like there'd be no growth and waiting to see them turn around but i think they came out of that 
and it was unfortunate they hit COVID at the time and they've 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 had a bad run, but I think they're performing pretty well. So I bought another startup position in them, I think 30, nice. 20 or thirty shares um in the company this week. Because I felt like I was buying a lot of high yield companies, I was buying VG, I was buying N N Group. Mm-hmm. And I want to start balancing up, particularly as you said, in this kind of market where things are starting to go down, yields start to become more attractive. I think Coca Cola is three point five percent or something yeah. like that. So it's yeah. it's a decent time, I think, to to start a position or increase your position. And I know Pepsi as well is getting quite similar, but the only thing about Pepsi is their their cash flow. The last time I looked was very worrying. So I prefer Coca Cola in this instance. Mm-hmm. Well, Coca-Cola is generally just a higher margin uh, a business from that point of view. If you compare the two, that's always really interesting. But yeah, so so I get that. And Pepsi indeed still needs to uh, come a bit more down for me to be attractive as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll I'll just talk a little bit about my portfolio over the last three months. Um, dividends this quarter. My average has been 206 euro per month, with my highest month being July um, at 412 euro. Wow. Um, that's actually 63% higher than this time last year, which is actually quite something. Um, my projected annual dividend income is now sitting at close to 15% of my overall goal. Wow. Um, so it's 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 getting there, seeing that tick up. It, it, it felt like it took ages to get to 10%. And then once you get past then, it, it seems to creep up that little bit higher. But obviously, I've been buying a lot more higher yield. I spoke about that. I've, I've been buying NN Group. I've been buying British American Tobacco. Um, what else have I been buying? Vici is quite high as well. So that's obviously driving my paddy up quite yeah. high. Um, financials is my biggest sector at the moment because I I hold NN Group. I hold Legal in General. And they, make, they are two companies that are in my top eight. Shell yeah. is still my number one. It's still my number one portfolio. It's hard uh, to get rid of them, right? The number one. It just see. I mean, I haven't added any money to them. It's just all appreciation, capital appreciation. But they they sit at number one. Unilever sit at number two, and T Rowe Price sit at number three for me. But yeah, Shell and Unilever just keep just keep staying there, which is which is quite something. Considering I haven't haven't bought them, haven't looked at them in about eighteen months. They just seem to keep going. I, I do reinvest the dividends when they come, obviously, but um, they they are the king of my portfolio. Nice, nice. And um, any learnings from this uh, from this quarter? I, I mean, this this quarter has been just kind of ticking over. As I said, I've been buying some high yield stuff, um, and I was looking back on that at at the end. I bought Enegas, I think, as well. Um, and looking back, and I remember at the start of the year. The goal is to buy quality, and I'm looking. Uh, maybe I'm chasing yields. So when I saw the stock market actually drop, I had sold actually WP Carey after a dividend cut, um, and I reinvested that money into into Coca Cola. Um, so I took it out of WP Carey. I felt like with management, honestly, I, I didn't feel like they needed to cut the dividend. I know that they're mm-hmm. spinning off their office, all their offices, but. Actually, they were selling them off as it was. I think they yeah. sold thirty-five percent. They could have continued to do that and kept the dividend, but I think the spin-off was just an expensive way for them to cut the dividend because it's been so slow growth. So they want to reset that back, and maybe yeah. they'll they'll start growing again. But look, once you stop trusting management and their decisions, it's it's time to get out. So I I exited that and said, Coca-Cola, steady dividend grower, solid company. I stuck my cash yeah. into that instead. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Well, that's really inspiring to see your growth because I remember the first time we started the podcast, it was like some a few pennies, right? And yeah, yeah. Now it's some really serious money what you're getting there. Yeah, it's 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 interesting actually. August, I don't know if I've miscalculated something, but August is only sixty-five euro. I'm yeah. pretty sure that should be a little bit higher than that, so I'll have to double check. But but even so, 200, 200 euro on average per month. As I said, nice. I remember I remember last year I was trying to get to a hundred, and it seems like yeah. it's just doubled quite quickly. Nice, nice. Well, you know, I honestly had a pretty good quarter. Um, invested actually a lot of money again. If I see these values, then it's it's almost unbelievable. Uh, but I, I've been on a buying spree. I bought some more legal and general high yield, Enegas high yield. I entered the position Agree Realty. I bought quite some realty income, not from a yield point of view, but highest quality real estate investment trust, a, a rated balance sheet, for instance, for realty income. Yeah. And I see Agree Realty as the the younger brother. And you know what it usually is with the younger brothers, right? They they learn much more quicker from the older brothers. So that's uh, how I look a little bit at, at, at Agree Realty. Uh, I bought some Texas Instruments. That's for me high quality uh, when I think about them. I bought some Defama. Uh, it's a German uh, real estate uh, company. And we had uh, Matthias Schrade one time here as a CEO on the podcast. Also high quality for me. I bought... Uh, a share in L'Oreal after I wrote the first newsletter as a token of appreciation, also high quality. And I bought some NN Group and ASR in the in the last quarter. So all in all, I'm very happy with these additions. Uh, yes, I used the opportunity a little bit for some higher yield in the insurance sector still. But other than that, some really uh, names that I really want to have in my uh, portfolio. And like we just discussed in the upcoming quarter, I will hopefully, if the market stays like this, even at more high quality there. I also sold some uh, some shares. I sh sold my position in Kimberly Clark. I had it already for two, three years, that money. I don't see it growing at all uh, there. I don't have any faith in the business in the sense of that it's going to give me a decent return. So I felt like it's not even giving me so much yield. There are better opportunities here. So I used it, for instance, uh, to, to buy some realty income and uh, agree realty. And the same with 3M. Uh, I sold now in total 60, 70% of my position over the last few months. So I still have a little bit left. Um, but I used 3M. <laughs> I used 3M in that sense to buy a little bit of NN and ASR uh, after their crash. I didn't do my full analysis yet at the time, but I felt like, so it was a bit risky probably to do that, uh, but I felt like, okay, which litigation do I want more? One that uh, is, is related to health and there's a, an N in America, so there's effectively an unlimited upside or something more financial and i felt like well if i have to choose about litigation i'll rather take a financial impact because i've got 3m then right with the earplugs and the pfas now the pfas i think this is the, the, the yeah uh i still have buyer with monsanto in my yeah. portfolio so i'm looking now also of disposing uh buyer uh, probably maybe in the last in, in the last quarter because it's also been that money i'm all the time thinking like you know when when will the company settle but there's just not nothing happening i believe there should be again a ruling uh was it 2024 
Yeah. New CEO might also be interesting, so I'm not sure yet, but buyer as well. Johnson Johnson in the portfolio with the, with the talc powder uh, as well. So generally, I don't like those liabilities a lot that, that are related to consumer health because those have really unlimited potential around the globe. And this with ASR and, and then is a little bit, you know, um, en encapsulated in the Dutch financial market. So that's that, that's the reason why I felt like, okay, if I need to have fines, then rather get them from NN Group than for, uh, from uh, uh, 3M. Um, but all in all, my dividend income was uh, doing pretty well. So on average, it grew about 16% compared to last year. Uh, July was year over year 51% more, August 60% more, and September 7% less. Last year in September, I believe I got, uh, was it, um, we got those special dividends from Rio Tinto and BHP Billiton, if I remember correctly, and they fell away. Uh, so that that impacted here and also a weaker dollar although without the dollar it would have been probably similar uh, yeah. uh, uh, year over year so my portfolio yield went up from 3.8 percent to 4.1 percent it's a bit on the high end from where i ideally see it uh, here because I'm, I'm aiming for a healthy combination of dividend growth and dividend yield um and my portfolio grew quarter over quarter, about 3.3%. Uh, technology se sector, information technology stays the largest with almost 21%. And also Royal Dutch Shell stays the biggest position for me, both from a portfolio value point of view and a dividend income point of view. Last but not least, you can see it on my screen, the portfolio goal progress. Um, I'm now probably around 56, 57 percent of uh, expense coverage. So, yeah, that's pretty. Awesome. Really happy with that. I, I was looking at that chart when you posted it. It's, it's incredible. It's actually, like, just to see that and where I am on on it is, I'm actually kind of tracking that quite similar to where you are. So, looking at it in five or six years, knowing I'd be at 50 or 60 percent is is actually quite inspiring. Um, but I was looking, what caught my eye was that dividend yield. I, I did want to ask you about that because 4% or 4.1% is extremely high for, for you. Is that something you're consciously going to look at next quarter or are you just going to just... Uh, well, I think it's a, it's a... So one reason is me buying those insurance stocks so much this year yeah. with, with 5 plus percent yields at the time of buying plus portfolio depreciation in the last quarter. Um, well, actually, not a quarter. It went actually a bit up. So no, no. Okay. But uh, generally speaking, um, it is all about how much strength of dividend growth is behind it. And in the Dutch insurance companies, I could still, if the settlement or if the, the fines are not too high, I could still see them continue hiking in the, in the high single digits. Yeah. It's just a really nice opportunity from that point of view. But usually I would say my ideal portfolio yield has always been around 3.5% and then 6-7% uh, dividend growth behind it. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, so, so more quality. So I, 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 I want more high quality. So if I look at Coca-Cola, I would go for 3.5%, let's say. It means that my yield would go lower. Although one, one buy in a month will not bring my yield significantly lower it's a drop on a hot plate um, at the size of the portfolio now yeah 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 it's quite quite an interesting year and as we spoke earlier if there is this big bang if there is this crash we're going to see some of these 
quality companies. We might start to see Nike. We might start to see Hershey's. Oh. Even even the ones that have dropped already, like Target and Walmart, they'll drop even more. Um, so yeah, it, that would be so nice. It'd be good. Okay, time for some questions. I think we have a good few questions to be fair, so we we could be a while to get through these. But let's start with our friend Alan. He's asked us if you are forced to buy one and sell one from each other's portfolio which one and why oh from your portfolio tell me uh your your top 10 right let me look at that at the top 10 i that would sorry yeah, yeah i have i have it there you can see my top eight okay so let's say from your top eight if i had to sell anything i would uh, i would definitely sell altria yeah, yeah, that's that's the obvious one I I would say. Um, and if you were to buy one, you probably have all of those. Yeah, but at the current price, I would buy zero price. Yeah, yeah. So from your portfolio, I would definitely at, at current prices are prices you bought them at. If it was prices you bought them at, it's it's simple. It's probably Apple yeah. or, or Microsoft way yeah. back. Um, and then selling one, I I don't know. Um, I would have said 3M, but you still have 3M, yes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. so that that would be the one I would I would sell. Yeah. Um, Matt Barker has asked us, "How do you prioritize what you buy each month in the current candy store?" Oh, yeah, that's the hardest question. That's the hardest question. I've done my homework, and uh, um, we were talking a bit about this also on the Facebook group. So if people want to join uh, uh, facebookgroup.com slash dividend talk. Um, then someone mentioned like again about, uh, you know, the tier one and the foundational stocks. So it was really a good reminder to myself because I've got it all prepared. I've got my tier one, two, three, four stocks and I'm really going to focus on my tier one. And based on that, um, uh, look at one of those because if, if it's really now a candy store, I want the 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 sweetest candy in there uh that i usually even uh find hard to buy yeah it's 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 so hard isn't it because you you make lists and lists but it probably depends on the day and how you're how you're actually how you're actually feeling and, and what's going on yeah. in the market like I, I wasn't expecting to to actually go out and buy coca-cola for example and i don't know it just felt right at the time um but i do have i do have a list i, I try and stick to dividend safety score as we said, we we've we've come to balance sheets. We know they're really important. We created our own database now that we we track all these, and I think it's quite important that we stick to that. I've, if I learned anything, I've learned that when I went for ones that are junk or, or close to yeah. junk, like WPC was one, for example, um, they always end up either cutting it or doing something. You know, so something always yeah. happens. So sticking to quality, um, I'd really like to be buying the likes of. L'Oreal's in bulk. That's what I, I would like to, to yeah. be able to buy them more than just the token share. Do you get me? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. Consumer staples. I'll I probably have enough of financials for the moment. Yeah, me too. Because it's, it's quite high in my portfolio. So I want to I want to start going back to a little bit more consumer staples, um, and maybe a little bit more healthcare as well. That has gone under the radar as well. I just don't want to buy what I've been buying most of the year this year. I really want to use this opportunity to to refresh a little bit with some other stocks that I usually don't look at. Yeah. Because uh, the rest of the years, the year, the those stocks that we were buying were attractive in a highly valued market, let's say. 
yeah now a lot of dividend stocks came down so now suddenly those companies that we skipped and, and you bring up a good name coca-cola coca-cola wasn't even on the on the outer circle of our radar yeah but then because of this uh, novo nordisk success suddenly it's in the middle of our radar yeah yeah and so these are opportunities that i think are most most interesting for me now yeah um Marek has asked us do you have a checklist before you start a new position well yeah it's 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 general the, those few questions that i ask myself like has the company been growing uh, over the last year do i think it can continue to grow and these questions are not easily answered right because it requires really understanding the company reading uh, an annual report doing business analysis listening to an earnings call so it, it might sound easy but that's a checklist a, a healthy balance sheet and and yeah dividend commitments yeah so our our what is written in dividend policy and in this database that we have been building um i believe we have now 50 european stocks in there or something like that we we checked each and every dividend policy uh and, and and such right to really make sure that um we understand what the policy of the company is and if they are are articulating a growing dividend that's that gets for me a higher weight than than an earnings per share uh related percentage right because you know that when they have a hiccup they might kill the dividend or cut the dividend so those are some of the the on the checklist marek before I start a new position, I just need to understand the company. Otherwise, I don't really want to start a position. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a, a baseline in the company, and they pass my key metrics. We, we've talked about. I think we've mm. read about it a bit. We've talked about what we look for in a company. Um, so that's kind of what I look for just before I buy it. It's a simple checklist, and then after that, then it's keeping up to date. It's actually reading a lot more around your reports yeah. and getting to know the company. Um, nothing, nothing fancy i would say um mb has asked us when to buy good stocks with higher pe ratios how much premium should we pay so i don't look at the price to earnings as a pure valuation metric from that point of view um but if you want to use the pe i would look at the pec ratio peg because it considers growth in there as well based on the analyst estimates and if you have a pack number between one and two and you can look for that uh, metric on 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 morningstar or something like that you usually know that you have a relatively good value i believe this metric has been uh introduced by uh what's the guy from uh, one up on wall street the book um uh uh that's gone for me <laughs> yeah okay the author of one up on wall street everyone knows the guy with the white hairs um he, he introduced i think this ratio and it's a good one to look at uh, but but you know you need to take growth into consideration if you feel like uh, the stock uh, pe is high and that's why i use also discounted cash flow because then it can have a higher mul multiple if if at least the growth uh, justifies it um that's one um we got asked a question about do you have a thing regarding investing that is common amongst other investors but you take no consideration of when investing for example i don't care about investor buying or when the stock is low but i know the average investor often emphasizes this as important well in, in insider buying is actually a perfect example something that i don't look at i've been fooled by that as well when uh, the ceo of uh, general electric at the time and their management massively started buying and the 
and then not later there came a dividend cut yes so and, and then the share price tanked even uh, further in half so insider buying is a really good one but also like things like price to book value i i don't look at that um yeah there are several of those that i really just ignore and mostly because they are not interesting for me as a dividend investor yeah and it and insider selling is probably another one when they see people selling a lot of shares they automatically think it's it's a time to sell but yeah really sometimes they just need cash or it's a, it's a good time for them yeah. to, to sell out it's it's not always a case that the company is is dying um, or uh is warren buffett buying or selling yes i ignore this as well the other time with hp inc people were suddenly buying hp inc because warren buffett got in the portfolio now warren buffett has been selling it and people want to sell it again i i can imagine that you want to track um a wealthy investor and such right and there's even a, a proof that even if you track them with a delay you will still probably outperform the market so i get that but I'm a long-term investor. I don't care what Buffett does. Uh, I do sometimes use his portfolio's inspiration because I know he buys high-quality quality businesses and he is definitely a, a big inspiration to me, but I'm not tracking his moves. As, as, as we often say on this show, you cannot borrow conviction. Exactly. Um, so no matter matter what, what he does, you, you won't know if, if, if he sells it, you won't know until it's, it's way too late. So that's yeah. probably why I don't copy everything he does um jc has asked us what is your advice to someone who started investing a year ago in brackets me um but more seriously since june and sees it his portfolio going full red and redder by the day yeah i i, I can so relate to this uh, in the beginning i had as well it's your hard-earned money yeah imagine that uh, you're investing two three hundred euros a month uh, not in a savings account and suddenly you see it became less worth yeah and there goes the bike that you you could have bought for it or something like that yeah uh, so it's really count counterintuitive but gc i would just say like make red your favorite color just make it because it means you get to buy more of those shares you were convinced about at a higher price um but you get to buy now more of them at a uh, for the same amount of money to be invested so for me i love red i'm not concerned because i know that they invest in quality businesses and if i have 40 or 50 of those stocks I mean, it can be one time wrong. I can be even two times wrong, and my portfolio will overall not really notice it, right? So, yeah, red yeah. is a good color. Yeah, I, I mentioned I mentioned this question earlier on, and I knew it was coming. But like I said before, I just don't even look at, at my at the value of my portfolio. If if you're a long term investor, and what you bought, you you trust in it. It doesn't matter if it goes down in the short term. It's it's more in the long term. I I pay more attention to the news, particularly around dividend cuts or or litigation and stuff like that. In terms of 3M, when I sold them, and also WP Carry, yeah. um, I pay more attention than that than the portfolio value. Because let's face it, it, it could go down, it could go up, um, but over the long term, if cash flows, if their business is strong, if they have a strong catalyst, their stock price will eventually go up. Yeah um we have a question from dennis and he's saying this is maybe a bit more country specific um so i assume it's for for you um he said in the netherlands you get taxed 
for a fictional assumed return of 6.17%. In the last episode, we discussed high yield stocks and indicated that a 6 to 8% for you is no man's land. The question is, knowing you get taxed for this percentage, does it automatically shift your choices towards stocks with higher yield? No, no. So I don't get taxed in the Netherlands, uh, full disclaimer here. But um, you get taxed. So how it works? They don't tax you, as I understand, on the um, on the real return that you had, but on a fictional return of six percent. And I don't know. Maybe they get what is it, thirty percent taxed on it, or something like that. Um, but but no, because I assume that there is also capital return involved here, not just dividends. So uh, I, I I think, but I'm. <laughs> I think the other Dutch person should answer this because they made changes to the law there, to the to the tax policy, and I don't fully understand them. But in the past, it was uh, a fictional return on your wealth that you had. Yeah, and that's what you pay tax on. And I assume it's still on wealth and 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 such. And in that case, it doesn't really matter. I think. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I hate these fictional taxes. We have we have it in Ireland on the ETFs. It just makes it's nonsense. <laughs> it's absolute nonsense. Well, it's it's good if you can get a higher return on average. Yeah, it's it's nicer for the rich people. Yeah. Um, Finesland has asked us about Japan. They are offering some great value with stellar balance sheets with many decent dividend increases. What is your take on Japanese stocks? nothing just too far to the east i'm oriented to europe and america and that's already um, enough for me to follow the news and everything and i'm not familiar with japanese culture i don't read anything about japan so i would find it hard to understand the potential of a company as an example you know i've been a few times in america so i understand a little bit how it looks like there so i can envision better what the impact of a walmart is but I would have no clue what the buying behavior in Japan is, uh, other than that they eat a lot of sushi and love karaoke. Yeah, they have some. They have some really good companies, though. To be fair, like Nintendo, for example, is one you could probably grasp. Yeah, but um, it's a dividend growth stock. Yeah, I believe so. Um, he answered another one, a dividend growth stock. There, there be there will be a couple out there that that will be classed as dividend growth stocks. But like you, it's too far to the east with me. Um, I have enough exposure to the US dollar, Great British Pound, and, and the Euro and add another add another currency to my to my portfolio. I'm not really keen. Yeah. I'd probably break my tracker as well, to be fair. Well, I, I, I say never no, right? Uh, to an opportunity, but it must be something that's so obvious to me. Um yeah. And I I I've not seen that. Okay. Um, Everyday Normal Investor has asked us about our thoughts on companies with heavy exposure to China. All the China-related problems in the market um, regarding like a market collapse. Um, so, for example, Texas Instruments has huge, huge exposure to China. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, this is geopolitics, which is, um, which is impacting, let's say, some companies. And I I don't know. Uh, Starbucks I have in my portfolio, really depending on growth in China. Um, 
I don't know. I think most companies have indirectly also exposure to China. We've seen it with the whole supply chain that got disrupted during COVID. So I think um, the United States and Europe are just married to China, whether they like it or not. Geopolitics will make it a bit, um, I said, uh, harder and maybe some more volatility uh, for us. Uh, specifically, if they would like put uh, put some export controls on it, we haven't seen it with ASML. But generally speaking, it's impossible, I think, for for the Western world to, I said, untangle the relationship with China in, in even in a single decade. So whether they like it or not, they're married to each other and they need to move forward. Exactly. And look, there's plenty of potential there. They've got a lot of people living over there. Yeah. That, like all the fancy brands we have over here in US and yeah. Europe. So it's only natural they, they want that over there too. So there is potential for that. Same with India, um, huge populations. So you can, yeah. you can see why companies target those areas. And um, there's lots of growth potential. But as you said, you, you don't know you, you don't know how their government will react or what they can take away or what they can do. Which, but I, there's just a lot of populism at the moment, yeah. and that and that's what we hear. Uh, easy talking, yeah, we're going to I don't know let China pay for it or something like that. But China needs to do one thing, and the whole global supply chain is disrupted. I think longer term, like we got a question the other day about the BRIC countries creating their own currency and such. I could imagine that we see over the next 10, 20 years just a general shift in geopolitics, but that's really not my circle of competence. And I will need to see what it does to the stock market. I'm, I'm just not good at that stuff. Time will tell. Yes. Um, Dividend Yogi has asked us about McDonald's. It's on his watch list. What's your take of McDonald's in the long run? I think it will do really well in the long run. Um, I still regret that I once sold it because I thought it was overvalued. That was still my uh, days when I was naive in uh, 2016 or something like that. And I heavily regret it. I think that McDonald's is just, I mean, if you drive here in Poland, my kids, when they see the, the arc, the golden arc already, they start asking for, for, for McDonald's food. And, and you know what? They are fully aware that it's not healthy. Yeah, but McDonald's has so many healthy options nowadays with carrots that they can eat or something like that instead of fries. Yeah. So I think also for parents, they give enough healthy option to still want to still make you go there if you want to do your kids also well. And let's face it, kids love it. They love to play there in the in the playground. It's not too expensive, it's quite affordable. So this, this business is not going anywhere. And then we haven't even spoken about the real estate part of their company and the unlocked value there. Yeah, it, it, I was going to say, it's probably one of those companies that's hard to, to grasp because you analyze them like a consumer staples, yeah. but, but they're nearly more like a real estate investment trust. But they've got a, as you said, look, they've got a fantastic biz, business model. They know what they're doing. They're absolutely everywhere in the world, no matter where you go. Yeah there's a mcdonald's and if you're stuck for something to eat and you're in a foreign country and you don't know anything else you go to mcdonald's you go to mcdonald's because you you know what you're going to get so um i think in the in the long run it's it's a um, it's a solid choice and look, good good dividend payers as well so i would um i wouldn't be selling them if i had them um this 
Ambo has asked us our opinion on Diageo and Perno Ricard. Um, I have a small bit of Perno Ricard in my portfolio. I think about five shares because they sell my favorite whiskey. <laughs> and, and that is the literally the only reason I bought them, right? But the mad thing about it is when I bought them, or since I bought them, they've been the single best performance stock in my portfolio since. It was every time I look at them, it's it's incredible the the growth that they have. And I bought them for no other reason other than I drink the whiskey Jamesons quite quite a bit. Um, but look, it's a French company. It 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 does seem like a good dividend payer. Um, it does also seem like a solid business. I like their brands. Um, and then obviously Diageo, we spoke about them on the show. We've done an episode on them a few years ago. Um, at the time, they were overvalued. I think in the current market, they could be after dropping a bit and coming into fair value. Um, it's one that I've said I wanted to own and haven't bought them again, but you've just put them back on my radar. So maybe they, they might be one I buy in the, the coming weeks. But yeah, look, uh, I, I think both of them, strong brand power across both of them. I don't think you can go too far on. So now I know again who the author is, Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch, yes, 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 yes. And what is what is he famous for with his book in Walnut and Wall Street? Buy the things you you use, you see, you understand. At least if those are good, well managed companies. Now you've just given the example of your Peter Lynch investment. Yeah, Perno Ricard, and I can tell you in in Malaga, I drank a lot of Perno Ricard. <laughs> 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 so I, hey i'm doing my bit for the company um roman has asked us about realty income are they a falling knife everybody's panicking about real estate investment trusts What's, well what? you know they drop from 65 dollars to 50 dollars that's yeah. quite a fall i would say right so you could argue based on that's a falling knife but um the the more interesting thing is how do you catch it and do you need to catch it right and what they say also peter lynch has a really nice video about that um uh, that you wait until the knife is uh, let's say stuck in the ground and then it wibbles a little bit still wobbles a bit and after that you buy it so you don't need to be a hero on the way down you can just wait until you get proof that it kind of found the floor and starts to go back up again but you know it comes back to this whole kind of thing uh, again I have no clue how to time the market. I, I'm not a technical analyst. I don't know how to analyze price charts. So I can't tell you. I just look at the fair value of the company and I think like, ah, I can own, own it at this price. And that's why I buy it. And that's why I buy realty income. And I've been buying it also around the $50 uh, level. Yeah, I, I think Brad put it perfectly when he was on our show. He said, if you label yourself as the monthly dividend, payer <laughs> how likely is it to cut its dividend yeah no yeah exactly uh, they, they have to be really in trouble to do that but look like you said but they think... didn't say the monthly dividend grower no no but like <laughs> they, they didn't say dividend cut either no <laughs> <laughs> through that through that let's let's see look uh, getting a bit witty here <laughs> I, t I, t I thought WPC was safe as well. I, I know they are similar yeah. to our uh, triple net lease companies, but I thought they were quite safe and they weren't. So look, who knows? Who knows? But I yeah. think the balance sheet of realty income was probably better than than WP carry. So time, time will tell. Um, Thomas has asked us about our thoughts on IG Group, ticker symbol IGG in London. 
Um, I'm aware of this company. Um, I actually didn't think that they were as good a dividend payer as they are. Basically, they are an online trading platform. Um, it's like interactive brokers for all the world, but it's a British version um, of that. And they have quite quite a history, not always increasing. So we, I think we had um, the client of capitalist on the show talking about irregular dividends, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. These would probably be classed as, as one of these. It's not always up in a straight line. There are some choppiness in there, um, but it, as a whole, it's it's increasing its dividend year on year. Um, I can see the data back as far as 2008, but I believe it goes well past that. Um, they technically like to distribute about 50% of its earnings to shareholders, and it has a really good 7.5% dividend yield at the, at the moment. And look, I think it's a, I think it's a safe bet. Any of these brokers like interactive brokers ig i think they are good companies they have consistent cash flows um except for if the market was to crash completely and investors were to pull out and like you said if there was a, a global shift that could affect them but in definitely in the short to medium term these seem like a good company um i haven't run them through my screen or i haven't done anything else other than look at their dividend history and i know a little bit about what they do so yeah it looks like a, a good one to add to a watch list i must say nice um Shendu has asked us about our thoughts on three companies Amex, American Express, American Tower, and Target. Yeah, American Express, credit card company, well managed. I think one of those Buffett stocks. Um, it just doesn't resonate with me. I, I prefer Visa more as an example, or MasterCard. Uh, probably because we use them in Europe and I'm familiar with them and American Express not. Uh, American Tower, I think really interesting with the 5G deployment and, and everything they are doing in America. I could see, for instance, where AT&T is investing in 5G. I would rather, I don't think they will earn money from it, but I think American Tower that's rolling out the whole network will. And also something like Qualcomm that's creating the chips. I would go on that end of the spectrum when you want a spectrum. When you want to invest in 5g and then american tower i think is a nice play into this and target yeah i own it like it well i said um the the wokeness issue that they have um gave i think a nice opportunity to buy and now even around 100 it's really attractive for me i bought already quite some target this year so although it's nice and juicy or attractive to average down i want to focus a little bit on companies that i didn't buy yet this year as i mentioned earlier yeah, nice one. Um, Marek has asked us about UPS. They've got a 4.28% yield. Is it an opportunity now or a value trap? I don't think it's a value trap, but don't expect too much dividend growth. They did a major hike at the time. It was a 50% dividend hike uh, last yeah. year, the year before. You know, I, I looked into UPS so often, but I just have an issue all the time with their pension obligation. It takes such a large part of the balance sheet. That's why I've not looked in, uh, not, not done it uh, further, but I think it's a well-run business. If you compare it with FedEx, FedEx has hardly any proper cash flow, free cash flow. UPS is superior to that, in my opinion. Um, yeah, so I think it's a well-run business. It's not a value trap, in my opinion. Uh, it might be cyclical, yeah, because of a recession, people ordering less goods and such. So maybe there will be still better opportunities coming if we really would uh, face a consumer recession. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we got a, it's not a question, 
um it's more so about german dividend taxes and i know you you've looked into this before so maybe you might go through this with us yeah so there we have a long post on uh, facebook from a year ago uh, where rafi raber uh, was explaining that um, he couldn't get the, the the stock certificates or the dividend certificates from from his Finnish banks because they use Citibank as a as a purchasing house for the shares, hence uh, they they get all the dividend certificates. They they collect the dividends and share them then with his Finnish bank on his rights on those dividends. But to his surprise, the German tax authority actually accepted his, his uh, dividend uh, reclaim form so he was really happy with this he, he had a bit of a joke that uh, one of his uh, uh, documents showed the wrong address so they thought that they both owned the stocks and therefore deducted 50 percent of what he was requesting so uh, yeah a bit of an ironic irony towards germany here of course but what he's still saying is that we should still try to recoup the dividend withholding tax even though we might not have the proper paperwork because of this whole thing with the with not getting dividend um i said certificates and mine was for instance rejected on this so maybe i'll try it next year again um, and maybe it will work so this seems to be like like sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't for our, our american listeners welcome to europe <laughs> yeah do you know what it probably depends on what day of the week to get your request and who gets your request so if it's a if it's a monday morning ahead yeah. uh, it's probably nope <laughs> and if it's a but friday afternoon they, they'll process the trophy derek it took him one and a half year it's crazy isn't it? one and a half year you know it's it's i mean even a pigeon uh brings <laughs> a letter quicker and and and, and get a can put a stamp on it yeah i mean when when you have so i wouldn't say so little but when you, when you don't have a huge amount in yeah. in invested in say european companies it's really not worth the while is it 1.5 years to, to claim for me for price. me yeah but for me it's still worth i've got enough dividends um here it's 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 worth to get the residence uh certificate here from the tax office that i paid my taxes and and, and sent sent half a package of uh, a4 paper right uh, that's that's reality that's what i've done but you know 2027 if they're really able to implement this uh, new policy uh, that the european commission has on their desk at the moment um, then this should be done in a split second and i think all those people in germany there that are that are re reviewing this and processing this they will be out of a job because everything can be done digitally then they will be out of a job you know yeah so they they should better be sweet to us and just pay us all those dividends back <laughs> here's here's hoping here's hoping but if, if they would have done that over all those years made it easy then there would have been less need for such a policy yeah yeah of course i mean to be to be no need for it yeah no need for it. okay that is the end of the show um thanks a million for all the questions apologies on my behalf that it's been a week late um i will try buy a generator i have some backup option next time the storm decides to take all my power but no honestly um apologies for for missing that week it was it was a good topic i would have liked to speak about nn group last week when it was raw and the news was was just out but it's it was good to get your reflections on that um this week actually
Awesome. Awesome. So guys, uh, looking forward uh, to the next show again. And yeah, maybe some of you um, as, as new members to the uh, newsletter that we'll be releasing on Sunday. Have a good weekend. Remember, both of us at Dividend Talk are not certified financial specialists through formal education. We are just two guys sharing our journey for inspiration and entertainment purposes. Hence, this is not investment advice. Although we do our best, we can't promise that the information discussed is always correct, nor appropriate for you or anybody else. We always recommend that you do your own due diligence and be accountable for your own choices. As we always say, you can't borrow conviction from others. Last but not least, by listening to our podcast, you agree to hold us harmless from any ramifications, financial or otherwise, that occur to you as a result of acting on information provided in this podcast.